Welcome to the Duck Pin Podcast with your host, Brian Griffiths. And now, here's Brian. My guest on this week's episode of the Duck Pin Podcast, somebody I know have known for quite a long time now. I can't even... Uh, I, I'd say it's been forever, but she's too young for that. Um, you know, somebody who I have seen develop and grow as a leader over the years. She is the chairman of the Maryland Young Republicans. I would argue possibly the hardest working person in Maryland state politics, Maria Sophia. Maria, thanks for joining me this week. Oh, thank you, Brian. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, it's great to have you on here. We've I've obviously interviewed you in the past on other shows, but it's the first time you've yeah. come over to the duck pen, and we obviously are in the post-election environment now and uh, i wanted to actually start off going back to something that happened in 2019 the um young republican national federation uh had its meeting recently in wyoming and you guys Mm -hmm. were awarded uh best event for your uh roast of maryland republican party chairman dirk Hare in 2019 yeah though that was um first off that event for me was kind of a kicking off point. I had just been elected Maryland young Republican chairman. Um, I had think I had been chairman all of maybe three or four months. Um, So we literally had the idea two weeks after I was elected. Um, In fact, two weeks after the entire board was elected and we kind of were like, let's just see if this is something that Dirk would do. Asked him at that state party convention. And he was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, so we were off to the races for it, and that September we had the event, and uh, for us it was a huge fundraiser, and we were able to have national leadership join us for the event, and it was super fun, and honestly a great way for us to get young Republicans together, but also to get the state party involved and to really establish a, a, a I wouldn't want to say vibe, but I would, I would use the word um, to establish kind of a feel for what the organization was going to be. And we wanted to uh, create kind of an environment where there was collaboration, where there was openness and where people could feel like the organization could work with not only the party, but other organizations as well. Yeah. And, and, so- and I was at that event and it was, su- it was such a great event. It's so unlike any other uh, political event that you will see anywhere around. I was very disappointed that the uh, 2020 event was one of the many casualties um, uh, event casualties of the of the pandemic year, but I know that it'll be coming back in in 2021 mm-hmm. uh, yep. with uh, former Governor Bob Ehrlich as the mm-hmm. keynote um, roasty, which is always yes. going to be a good time. Um, and I know he gives as good as he gets, so that'll be entertaining for for everybody. Now you talked about the vibe. You know, this was obviously as you mentioned not too long after you took office as Maryland Republican uh, young young Republican chairman, and uh, your predecessor as uh, YR chairman, uh, my successor as YR chairman, didn't leave a whole lot for you. Um, tell us, you know, kind of what your process, thought process was, one, in deciding to lead the organization. It's never easy to decide that you want to serve as the leader of an organization that is going through tough times. But secondarily, kind of your philosophy of how to build up the young Republicans, not just to make the organization viable again, but also to make it an integral part of the state Republican ecosystem. 
Yeah, I, I get asked this question on occasion, and I think the biggest part for me was I saw the organization as an opportunity, and the and where I saw it as an opportunity was in 2017 when Maryland was able to host the uh, Young Republican National Convention, and it was my first introduction to YRs not only in Maryland but across the country and seeing what other states were able to do and what we could do, and for me, I saw it as this kind of this vessel that could be that was being underutilized and that could be utilized if we had the right people involved. And so I always, and, and Brian, as you know, I always love getting into situations or walking into situations uh, with projects that I can kind of build and, and kind of walk away from like, you know, do what I come to do, do what I came to do and then kind of walk away from them. Um, but leave them in a way where I feel that the organization or whatever it is, whether it was, Back in my early days in Maryland student legislature, when I was lieutenant governor and I was fundraising at record numbers for the organ for the nonprofit, or when I became YR chair and kind of building that up, I love these these projects where I can build something and then walk away from it and you know be proud of what I did. And so I kind of saw the YRs as that too. But when I went into that process, I had to feel like I was putting together a team that I could work with, and I also felt you know we could only go up from where we were. So Evan at that time was our national committee man and still is now. And he was kind of a piece that I saw I could really build the organization with. So I kind of recruited Evan. I met Melissa um, back when she was working at the time for then delegate Mary Beth Carosa and, and met her and, and got, got to know her as a workhorse because I just kept seeing her constantly knocking doors. And I wanted to establish a tone uh, where we were going to work and we were going to be effective and, but not just being effective in the old grassroots way, but finding ways to be effective um, as millennials, as we bring in the next generation of Gen Z's um, and just kind of really redefining what electing Republicans looked like in Maryland. And I felt that the Maryland young Republicans could do that probably better than any other auxiliary because everyone talks about the future of the party and when you talk about the future of the party, you need to also bring with you ways to systematically change the party, but also show that you can be effective. So there was a couple of different pieces that I felt I needed and then ultimately created this philosophy of hard work will win. And we kind of went into this all saying, hey, we have nothing but absolute growth here. And the one thing that I had on my side was you know, the, there was almost no expectations because it, they were like, all right, Maria, go ahead, do it. Like, we wish you all the best. And so I kind of piece by piece, we started chapter by chapter and then ultimately creating this philosophy where chapters could lean on each other and we could work together. And then finding these small town races, you know, finding um, council races, county exact races, whatever it may be to build up the party but also encouraging young Republicans to take on roles of leadership within their counties, which ultimately is how you build a Republican party, um, building it from the youth up. And so I've had this philosophy of, okay, we've got great YRs involved. Now let's get them to be on central committees, run for office. And we're slowly doing that. I'm very proud of the record number of young Republicans we have on central committees now and how close we are to chartering our entire state with young Republican chapters to ultimately give central committees and the Republican Party, another tool in our arsenal to win those local elections that are so crucial for Republicans to hold on to control 
at the local level. Yeah, one of the things you talked about that was very interesting and very important is trying to change the kind of philosophy and the perception of YR, something that even yeah. during my time I I struggled with because when people hear the name YRs, they automatically think of college Republicans because college right. Republicans are, one, very successful at fundraising because, two, they have the time uh, to, to kind of drop everything and, and campaign pretty much every waking hour that they're not in class. The perception yeah. among Central Committee members often, in, in my take, I, and maybe that has changed over the years, is that, well, young Republicans just drop everything and do grunt work, not realizing <laughs> it's like, hey, I got a full-time job, I got a family, I got other stuff you know, other responsibilities that are that are going on, too. And how has that kind of perception changed over the years? Obviously, introducing the new technological aspect of it, you know, a lot of the, the, the leaning into the technology, um, you know, has certainly helped. But as you said, you guys are trying to bridge the gap. You're doing both the, the door knocking and the, the grassroots outreach, but also trying to bridge that gap. So to kind of kind of explain, you know, what you're how you feel that relationship is with with central committee members and whether that perception that young Republicans are just here to do the grunt work and not be not be heard from has that changed over time yeah it was a really interesting thing because when I that and you're exactly right when I became YR chair and you start talking to these central committees and there's this thought that oh college students but I even get the notion of sometimes they think young Republicans are high school students and so <laughs> um, I kind of have to explain kind of that process. And I think the thing that was also on our side with this was that there's turnover on central committees, uh, especially when we had that turnover in 2018. Um, that was, I really used that to my advantage in that there was a 2018 cycle um, that was there. And we were like, okay, let's kind of, understand who's on these central committees and this was mind you this election was six months before i was elected as maryland chair so understanding the pieces and then getting to know those people and then once you're chairman um making yourself as accessible as possible because i spent the first i would say year from may of 2019 to really um spring of this year just trying to get to know who these central committee members are and really kind of being one-on-one -on -one where having those conversations of this is what we do, this is what we can do, um, and reminding them that there's YRs that are ready to step up. So I, I think, honestly, the biggest thing was giving them that knowledge of what YRs are, but understanding that if they wanted young Republicans to be more involved and to uh, – kind of engage the youth as, as they often typically say is like the phrasing that they like to use is engage the youth. We need more young people um, is understanding where they are at in 2020, um, where they're at professionally, what are they dealing with and, and being there and being present and having those conversations. I talked to several central committee, central committees as a whole um, last summer when before COVID I was going to picnics and I was in Kent County. I was in Charles County. I was all over the place just talking about what we could do, but also where they could meet us in the middle. And I think what a lot of young Republicans can struggle with at times is they want to be helpful, but then life gets in the way. So finding ways where you can meet in the middle, I think is really important. Um, it's, it's often what I've said, where sometimes we've got young Republicans who are raising families and they're, you know, they're starting out and they're like, how can I be involved? Like six months ago, I could door knock, but now I can't. So really building that arsenal of different tools, but also 
trying to get central committee members to do them with you. Um, I haven't had particularly successful luck on that, obviously, um, when we've come to some races, but acknowledging that, hey, um, you know, letting just, hey, this is what we, you can do to help us. Um, I, something that was underutilized was our email list, I found. When I send out an email the first six months of being YR chairman, a couple emails, uh, you know, promoting the roast and everything, a lot of those emails were bouncing. So I felt that just keeping constant communication too. This is what the wires are doing and just constantly throwing that information at people. So they understand, Hey, they're doing all this stuff and they may not have time for this race because they're doing all this stuff. Um, they kind of give you a little bit more slack, but when you're not letting people know, particularly on the central committee level, what you're doing, um, they're not as kind, I think, um, to, to what, what you're doing unless they know and just letting them know and having that open line of communication is really important but but showing them hey you can door knock here you can phone bank here you can send a text you know doing this race um i'm happy to report that since then in the past year i've actually had central committee members reach out to me saying hey we want to help um can we how can we like make phone calls how can we send text messages and i've had central committee members reach out to me in the past couple weeks do you have info on Georgia? How can we help with Georgia? And I'm like, this is great. You know, they're sending text messages with us to support in Georgia. Um, so stuff like that, you know, I, I think just letting people know that there's more than one way of doing it. People get really turned off of, oh, you can only door knock or nothing. And that's not the case. Um, there's other ways to get involved. And I think central committee members for so long, A, thought we were like 15 and B, thought that they could only help us door knock. So um, just giving them all these different options so they really don't have excuses on when they can't, like, oh, sorry, I can't door knock. Okay, but you can do this, 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 or this. And then the conversation kind of changes. Well, let's talk about some of those things that you have been doing. Obviously, 2020 was a big election year, not necessarily in Maryland. We did have um, some congressional congressional races, a couple of school board races, but not not a whole lot going on in Maryland. So what are some of the things that YRs did, uh, particularly in this 2020 election cycle? I mean, I know obviously there have been, there were elections in 2019. You mentioned the local elections, uh, some of these municipal elections that you guys have been working on. You guys worked a, uh, even, even after the election, you guys were working a race yesterday in, in Cambridge, the mayor's race down there. Um, so just kind of kind of go over some of the things that you guys did during the 2020 year to to help move the ball forward. So 2020 obviously has been an interesting year because of COVID-19. And I've, you know, I've stressed to our young Republicans, you know, that they can help how they can. Some of them are in environments where they have family members who are at risk. And so I'm not like I wasn't pushing door knocking on them, trying to get them to do other ways. But what I will say is, though we did not have a lot of things that were necessarily getting national attention in Maryland, I didn't want to completely ignore Maryland. I wanted to remind our young Republicans that Maryland is still important in different ways. So doing texting for our Board of Education races in Howard County, in Anne Arundel County, in Dorchester County, and um, helping out a writing candidate in Frederick County uh, for Board of Education as well. So we still did things in Maryland, and I'm proud to say that a quarter of a million of our voter contacts, we made 1.35 million voter contacts this year, um, but a quarter of a million of those were in Maryland. And what we were doing early on in the pandemic, um, right, around, right before primary time, about a month before primary time, we were calling seniors, Republican seniors, um, that necessarily were not all Republican households. You know, maybe the husband was Republican and the wife was Democrat. 
And sometimes you'd get, we'd call and we were just like, you know, hey, where I'm a member, I'm Maria, I'm a member of the Maryland Young Republicans. I'm just calling to check in and see how you're doing. Um, when we had that little bit of a lag time when, you know, some primaries were over at the national level, but Maryland was still kind of happening. And they were like, oh, well, I'm not a Republican. And then they're like, well, and they start going, I'm like, I don't care. And having very candid conversations of just doing community involvement. One of the things as young Republicans we've also done is, is community service projects over the past two years. So this was kind of our community service project of 2020 in Maryland. We were checking on our seniors, but we were also making sure, hey, you have that ballot, make sure you return your ballot to make sure that they were voting in the primary for Board of Education County Executive, um, you know, whatever local race was going on. So we were still able to do that. Um, we also did texting for uh, Nicole Ackley's uh, race as well uh, in Wicomico County. That's a Maryland race. Again, we went down and knocked doors, socially distanced, of course, um, and helped in that local race. Uh, so we still did things on the ground in Maryland, and I didn't want to completely ignore that because come 2022, I don't want to have young Republicans be like, oh, wait, we actually help in Maryland. No, continuing to say, hey, well, we're not, it's not crazy busy in Maryland. Let's still make sure we cover our ground and do what we need to do. But nationally, we did a lot of texting across the country. We texted in about 25 different states um, across the country for Senate races, particularly. We really focused on the Senate, um, which obviously we're very proud to see that that, you know, showed when we come November the 3rd, when we saw the Republicans didn't lose any Republican Senate seats, you know, fingers crossed that we hold on to Georgia. But, um, you know, we, we did a lot of texting. We did some phone banking as well. Um, we were doing phone banking in California. Um, for a lot of those key congressional races, um, uh, Garcia's race comes to mind. Uh, the, um, just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, we did a little bit in Texas as well. Uh, Florida, uh, Pennsylvania, a lot. We did a lot in Pennsylvania more so than I think some of the others where we did texting, phone banging, and door knocking out there. We did the tri, is what I like to call the trifecta, um, out there. So, and we were doing for, uh, Senate and congressional as well. So we were doing a lot of that. We were jumping on Zoom calls with our fellow YRs for their local candidates, you know, just to give them the support that they needed. A couple of Board of Education races that just, you know, they were like, hey, we've got a YR running here. Can you give an hour or two? And, and so we certainly did that. Um, I got to jump on some really cool uh, congressional and, and Senate uh, Zoom calls over this cycle that we got invited to. And that's that's what happens when you help YRs in other states. They will, you know, kind of extend the offer and say, hey, you want to join this awesome Zoom call with Sarah Sanders in Arkansas? Yeah, sure. And then actually get to ask a question and talk with her. Um, just things like that. So we really started fostering our relationships across the state, uh, across the different states um, to be like, hey, you know, in 2022, we've got some important races in Maryland. Um, but I did not want our YRs to lose sight of Maryland. And I think that's really important because when you're bringing YRs into an organization and you are establishing a tempo, um, if you're just solely looking at national stuff, then you kind of disengage that contingent that is Maryland focused. And I'm a more Maryland focused person myself, as you know, Brian, but I wanted to make sure there was something that everyone could participate in. So let's talk about door knocking this year. Obviously, you know, a lot of times and, and, and most people probably know this, some may not. When you have a door knocking event, usually there is one, um, at least in Maryland, there's one central location. Everybody meets up, everybody takes a group picture, hand out walk lists, hand out literature, 
off you go. Come back. You know, we'll, ha- we'll get pizza in two hours or something like that. Right. Uh, and then for, like, national events where there's a YR national deployment, you know, they'll shove everybody on a bus, send you off to Pennsylvania or North Carolina or God only knows where um, right. to those things. But you're still talking about 50 YRs on a bus. Yeah. Those th- those entire – those those scenarios are completely impossible um, given, you know, the, lo- the world that we've lived in yeah. in the year 2020. So just the mechanics of actually making a, a, a door knock – uh, event, you know, uh, uh, go. Like, what did that look like this year as opposed to what it might have looked like in previous years? It was different because usually I would get on a conference call with the DCYR chair and the Virginia YR chair, and we would coordinate a bus that would pick up at probably outside the RNC, um, you know, at 4.30 on a Friday and then care of and basically fill that bus up and go to whatever state we're going to door knock. Um, this year was very different. Um, it, we had many cars going and it was, it was different. Um, you know, you had cars of people that maybe like lived close together. I mean, like Evan and I, who's a national committee man who conveniently lives not too far from me, we would go together. We would drive, he would drive and then we would, you know, use his car. So you'd see all these little cars, um, that would be at a door knocking location, uh, or a meeting place, if you will, socially distanced. A lot of the meetings were now outside. Um, they weren't inside because of COVID, uh, you know, regulation and making sure that people were socially distanced. You know, we had temperature checks. We had masks being handed out. Um, so it was a lot more on the logistical side. Hand sanitizer. I think I have a YR hand sanitizer around here somewhere. I have a bunch of them now. Um, but just making sure that everyone had what they needed to be, you know, equipped. But it was still, we still were able to make it possible, but we still had to make sure that we were um, abiding by CDC guidelines. And yes, it unfortunately had, we had less Maryland YRs outdoor knocking um, in other states because of that, um, people's concern. But I think in Maryland, what we were able to do with, like in Wicomico County, for example, we had, you know, a decent amount of YRs there, um, which I was very proud of um, because you're obviously local. So you're able to do that. But it was different. But I actually think in the long run, it almost was helpful because when you're door knocking, Yes, they'll, you know, fill up a bus and then drop you somewhere, but everyone kind of had a vehicle. Um, every, you know, everyone were able, everyone was able to have a vehicle and you didn't have people stranded and having a bus go pick up people for two hours. So I think everyone was able to actually door knock a little longer and, and be a little bit more effective. Now, I don't think that's going to be obviously feasible down the line because yes, we had, it was more effective in that regard, but you had less people coming. So you didn't hit as many doors as you usually do. Um, I hope that this is the last year that we have to do door knocking in that manner. Um, But, you know, we made the best, we made the best of it. I know when I knocked on a door, I stood like, I had this rule of where I would like knock on a door and then I would step back and then I'd kind of either be at the very edge of their porch or I'd be like on their steps up to their porch talking to them. So I was enough distance but I would knock and then put the literature on the door. And then if they came to the door, then it'd be like, hi, I, I left you some literature um, about said whatever candidate we're knocking for. So then they're looking at the literature while you're distanced. Um, so it was different, um, not impossible by any stretch. Um, I do get a, I, I am a little concerned about Georgia in the sense that there's going to be a lot of over oversaturation down there. Um, Cause there's a bunch of YRs already down there now that are going to be working down there till, January the 5th, 
Um, and if I'm a person living in Georgia, I'm probably like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this election to be over because you're constantly getting hit with ads, texts, phones, whatever. I got YR sending text messages now for Georgia. This past weekend, we did a texting blitz um, uh, after Thanksgiving, obviously, we, we spent Saturday doing it. Um, and just kind of was like, hey, do you know, are you going to be voting kind of thing to start getting that data in um, so people know who they need to target who they yeah, if I was if I if I lived in Georgia, I'd think about you know going to like Hawaii for a month or something like that. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I even as much even as absentee and then just go. Yeah, even as much of a, of a politics junkie as I I can be. I mean, at some point you just wanna you just wanna turn the TV off and just be left alone. Um, one of the things that I know has frustrated me over the course of the last year has been the prevalence of just nonsense activity. That is that has been taking yeah. place across, not, particularly here in Maryland, but it's all happening all across the country. People waving from overpasses and people waving, uh, you know, people doing boat parades and people doing car parades and people going to protest outside the homes of of politicians. The, this, um, you know, these these boat parades, I called them the, the yard sign of kinetic motion because they don't actually accomplish anything. And. They're doing engaging in all this activity, but not doing the actual work of electing candidates. As somebody who has spent pretty much the, <laughs> the better course of the last three years, four years, I don't even know how long. You know, it's been act- like six now, I think. It's been a long time. It's been a while. You know, somebody who has spent that much time trying to elect people, how frustrating is that to see all of this wasted activity going on? It's super frustrating. I actually made a post on Facebook a couple months ago. And um, actually, no, it wasn't a couple months ago. It was literally last month. That's, it feels like the election's been months ago. Um, I'd have to say it was about a week after the election. I made a Facebook post about, you know, I don't want to hear from you if you, you know, didn't help your candidate get across the finish line this November. There were plenty of opportunities to do so. All you had to do was, you know, check my Facebook or someone else's Facebook. And the bulk of the response I got was everyone being like, yeah, you worked your butt off, Maria, and your YRs worked their butt off. Um, and I should have done more. Is It was the common response. Though I did get a couple of nasty responses because they knew exactly what I was talking about, which was these boat parades and the sign waving. And if you talk to any hardworking YR, the general consensus, not only in Maryland, but across the country, and I've talked to a lot of Massachusetts young Republicans actually about this, is it's frustrating because, you know, and I've talked, there's actually, believe it or not, there's actually a handful of Central Korean members who talked about this too as well that agreed with me and said, you know, if every single person that was sign waving, you know, or on a boat parade, if they were just texting for their candidate while they were standing there, I would be less mad because at least they were actually do something grassroots related um, while they were standing there. there. There was nothing stopping anyone from waving a flag or doing a boat parade, but sitting here on your phone and sending out a text message for a Senate candidate or whoever, um, I would be less mad if that were the case, but it was not the case. And I, we started doing the math of approximately how many texts someone can send per hour and then how many they can send per day, and then multiplying it by people that we saw, and we just started really getting frustrated because it was like hundreds of of thousands of voter contacts that could have been made in like a day. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, we're literally talking about tens of millions of voter contacts, completely missed opportunities, um, which was really frustrating. But, you know, I get the argument that people are saying, well, not everyone you know, this is how you engage this kind of voter because they're not going to want to do anything else. And I get that. 
But there really needs to be some education. And to the ones that are standing there at the boat parade or waving the sign, you know, wherever, there needs to be kind of a conversation of, okay, you're there, you've engaged that voter. Now give them a toolbox and empower them to make them make their vote go tenfold. And I think there was a lot of missed opportunities of people that we drew out. Um, You know, God bless people on the central committee that were, I'm going to say this, there was actually a a central committee member or two that stood outside of Walter Reed with all these people that no one knew, but they were having a sign-up sheet and they were like, hey, can you volunteer? And I knew that, and and I was like, well, at least someone's doing that. Like, that's the... We're, we're stepping in the right direction, but I do think that there's a missed opportunity if you don't try to equip these people. They come, they wave a sign, and you never hear from them again. Well, they could have helped out at your headquarters, or they could have made done some phone banking or texting or maybe even hit doors with you. Um, so I just think, yes, it frustrates me, but I'd be less frustrated if people used it as an opportunity to get more volunteers and to equip them with ways for them to elect more Republicans in their backyard. Let's talk about one of the challenges that you've probably had for the last couple of years and, and will probably continue to have for a few years going forward. And that, that's got to do with the youth vote and the popularity or lack thereof uh, of President Trump with, with younger voters. I mean, President Trump, um, you know, whether whether people like him or don't like him, the fact is, is that he was very unpopular with the younger demographics, the kind of voters who might might be registered Republicans or might be people who would want to get involved in the Republican Party, but are turned off by the president and the president's message. How have you worked to overcome that? And how do you kind of change out that messaging and remind people, well, you know, the party's moving on from from President Trump now. There's other things that that we need to focus on. Kind of kind of how have you fixed how have you attacked that problem and how are you gonna gonna be able to overcome it in the future? Well I think the first thing is recognizing that there are still some Trump young Republicans and there are some Larry Hogan young Republicans and then there's some that are kind of in the middle. But recognizing that as a party, you know there are some that are very energized on both sides of that Republican spectrum, but allowing them to make sure that they know that there's still a place for them as we move forward, but also making sure that they feel empowered that this is their still, this is still their Republican party. Um, The Republican party is going to look a lot different in the next four years. I have no doubt about that. The Republican party, we saw that in Maryland when Larry Hogan got elected in 20, um, uh, God, 2014, um, and, and it changed from 2014 to 2018. Um, the, whether Republicans want to acknowledge that or not, um, it's going to look different and it's continuing to look different. We see that in no, this past November, we saw that with all of the record number of women and minorities getting elected, the party is not only visibly changing, but it's, it, the components of it are. And I, I think the, the benefit that I have as the YR chair is, these YRs, whether they are a Trump Republican or a Larry Hogan Republican, they are much more open-minded than the Republicans of tens of twenties of years ago, or, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to consistently change. Um, But letting them know that even if it's not necessarily Trump's Republican party anymore, um, that there's still a Republican party that we need to continue to cultivate and walking away from it does nothing. 
And if I'm, and if you're a, you know, Trump Republican walking away now, now that Trump's not the president, you're not quote unquote protecting his legacy by any stretch. It's just, you're walking away from it. Um, and if I'm a Larry Hogan Republican and I'm trying to recognize that this is the time that if you are, the Republican party at this point is in such a moldable it can be so molded in so many different ways right now. And young Republicans have an opportunity to mold it. And I don't know what that Republican party looks like next year, let alone four years from now. But if young Republicans can stay engaged and look at it from the perspective of we can affect it and mold it how we want, it'll be a better party for because of it. And I do think that party looks a lot more female it looks a lot more minority um, inclusive. And I think that's what we need to focus on. I, I think take the White House out of it for a, for a hot second and recognize that there's a lot of party building that needs to be done in every state. There are holes and gaps we're not performing. And that's what we need to focus on. And if you're a Trump Republican that is mad that President Trump lost and that you're focused on this recount and everything else, you can be mad about that, but also make sure you're the same Republican that's doing something about it and making sure that your Republican contingent turns out to vote next time. Because that's exactly what happened this time. In 2020, we did not, we had Republicans that got relaxed. They thought their candidate was going to win. They thought that, oh, it's going to be fine. And then come November the 3rd, they're like, wait, what? And those are the same Republicans that didn't do anything to help. So as a young Republican leader that is trying to engage the organization of, of the young Republicans as a whole in Maryland, recognizing that there's still plenty of work to do. And when there's opportunities for young Republicans to run for office and to take on leadership positions in their central committee, I will be 100% behind them, encouraging them to take hold, but to also remember that the hard work is going to be required to be effective. That actually leads into what my next question was going to be. Obviously, um, the focus now, particularly here in Maryland, changes to 2022. Uh, yeah. We do have elections in, in Frederick and Annapolis in 2021, but the main focus right. is 2022. And you know, the YRs can't take sides in a primary election. Right. Um, you guys are, are prohibited from that from your bylaws. But yeah. what place do you guys see as um, a place to recruit candidates for Central committee, particularly, I think that is a, a desperate need there to get some new blood onto central committees and encourage people who have not run before in the past. But also the number of opportunities that are going to be out there with redistricting, both congressional, um, legislative, even even county council level redistricting. How much of a formal effort do you see the YRs putting into candidate recruitment between now and the filing deadline in 2022? Oh, I absolutely think there's going to be, it's going to be literally something that we hone in on. And we've talked about this. I've already been in conversation with the, the YR board about this, but the thing that we're going to be spending 2021 doing is making sure that we have enough trainings and opportunities for young Republicans who are considering running for these positions to making sure that they know what they're walking into. Because we find a lot of times when we have Republicans run for office, and this is not just at the Y, when they're YRs, but you know, people over, you know, whatever age, over 40, um, when they're running, um, that they just don't know what it takes to run. And there's components to this process that they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to take 
a certain amount of money or you, I was going to need to find a treasurer or whatever that is. So yes, there's going to be a heavy focus on recruiting young Republicans to run. And whenever I see a young Republican that just is energized and wants to get involved, I immediately am like, find a vacancy on your central. Because what's helped actually is, believe it or not, on the Democrat side, seeing all these resignations uh, from the House of Delegates, from the Senate over the past four years, um, our young Republicans have recognized that. And understanding that the Central Committee members are the ones that vote on those replacements. So that has actually helped trying to get young Republicans on those central committees because um, they see that the power that it actually does hold, though it's few and far in between uh, things, that is something that is absolutely crucial. And having a young Republican voice in that conversation is important. But working with the state party, working with the rest of the auxiliaries to ensure that there's trainings, what we did this year that we were very proud of before the pandemic was candidate debates. Um, We did debates in person before we were... um, on lockdown. We were doing it for all the congressional races because it was a congressional year. We fully anticipate to do those in 22 for delegates and Senate races, um, inviting, you know, obviously the opponents. Um, We find in the primaries, though, that's the perfect way for us to stay engaged because we just bring all of the primary candidates and we allow the party and the Republican voters to see all their Republican options. It, A, allows us to stay out of you know, picking and choosing campaigns, if you will. But it also demonstrates the talent in some races that we have that goes unnoticed. So for us pre-primary, you're going to, you're going to, I foresee you're going to see a lot of candidate forums um, because that's how we can stay involved and keep our members involved. Um, But also doing our role as young Republicans of um, providing information to the public. Um, we don't see a lot of Republican candidate primary or uh, primary debates. It just doesn't happen. And that's something that we can fill the void for. But overall, just spending 21 doing the trainings. And then as you do trainings and you bring, you know, whether it's the Leadership Institute in or you do whatever and you, you bring in whatever to show this is what's important. This is what you need. Um, you kind of can do recruiting in your own respect because you'll have people come out especially if you do the bright marketing for it that you don't, that you've never met. And you're like, wait, you're between the ages of 18 and 40. Hi, I'm Maria. I'm the Maryland Republican chair. And I have found people at conferences, um, you know, doing that. Um, you know, I know there's wires that have found people at CPAC that do the same thing. So um, just making sure that there's opportunities to meet people in different places, but also providing them that toolkit. I mean, I've really focused on making sure our young Republicans have a toolkit. Um, because having one tool, like, you know, is not going to be helpful in every fight. Um, so just making sure that we provide our candidates and our young Republican candidates, um, with all the knowledge that they need to run so they can run effective, uh, campaigns to win in 22, because there's going to be opportunity. We may not know where that opportunity is right now, but starting that conversation of making sure people are prepared is absolutely key. I mentioned earlier, you guys, the the national YRs recently met in Wyoming uh, for the post-election meeting. Um, This is typically where conversations start happening about national YR offices. It's certainly where, when I ran for national chairman, where those conversations really started to percolate. Um, What are you looking for in somebody who wants to be chairman of the Young Republican National Federation? As a state chairman, what do you see as the most important things uh, for somebody who wants to serve as the national chairman? Sure. So obviously the big part, big, the big thing I look for is transparency. 
Um, the national board uh, under Rick Lockery, who's our current chairman, has done a, a great job of fundraising um, with having significant cash on hand and doing uh, doing some really cool things for the organization. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy with that. Um, but I'm looking for, you know, obviously a chairman and a board for that matter that is invested back in the states. Um, now that we have a lot of our state chapters all kind of geared up and, and working together again, which is really important, um, making sure that they feel like they're being invested into, making sure that they're, you're, you know, given the help that they need for their key races. Uh, I think in 2020, we did pretty well considering all things, especially with COVID-19. Um, I'm obviously going to be wanting a chairman that's going to make sure that, that I can at least get a deployment in 22 and maybe I'm a little biased, um, but I've certainly had those conversations with the national of saying, Hey, I'm happy to help. But, uh, you know, in 2018, when you guys were able to help us, uh, deliver us Senator Mary Beth Carosa, we'd really like to do that again for our governor's mansion, um, and for our down ballot races as well. And I've been told that that certainly is in the cards for Maryland. Uh, but again, it's still two years off. So I'm looking for that as well. I'm also just looking for, um, a national board that is willing to, um, you know, just willing to work with Maryland. I think there's a lot of opportunity in Maryland. And I think a lot of the state chairmen see opportunity in, in each of their own states um, and feel that there are, con- there are parts of their states that are being um, underutilized because there's pockets. And it's, it, as we go forward and recognize those pockets, that's where we're able to make our pickups. And um, after redistricting, we'll know more where those pockets in- are and where we can pick up. Um, but again, I, you know, I'm just looking for, you know, a board that's willing to work with us so we can win. Um, and that's ultimately the goal here is you want to win elections, but you also want to show that the Republican party at the YR level is effective. It is, it has an ability to recruit and train young Republicans across the country. Um, so that the Republican party continues to grow. Because a lot of times, especially in the media, we see, uh, you know, the Democrat Party have kind of this hold on the media where you talk, they talk about, oh, look at all these millennial, you know, young supporters, you know, parading, whatever. But they don't really talk about young Republicans. And I think there's, we kind of a chip on our shoulders. And that's how I kind of paint it. People are like, aren't you mad that the media is not covering you or whatever? I'm like, no, because I, I, I wear it as a chip on my shoulder. Um, it constantly allows our young Republicans to know that there's still work to be done. Uh, the second you sit there and you think that you are all good and you've won and you've, you know, killed all your races, that's when you lose. And in Maryland, it's important for us to continue to build because we are outnumbered and we're going to continue to be outnumbered. And I understand that that's a reality of the state, but there's parts of the state that have Republican representation and that continued to have Republican representation because having the conversation, uh, particularly on policies in the legislature, is so important to make sure that we can be effective in making sure that far left policies aren't just pushed through and signed and then rubber stamped. One last question before we get you out of here. Um, okay. You know, your term is up in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I presume that you will be reelected. I don't, I don't, I think that's a pretty safe bet at this point. Um, I'm hoping. <laughs> fa- fast forward to the spring summer of 2023. You're finishing up your second term yeah. and getting ready to, to hand it off to somebody else. Yeah. What does 
a successful four years in office look like to you? What metric would you define, uh, would you use to define that, whether you succeeded or not? There's a couple metrics I look at. I look at the metric of, were we able to build chapters? Are there more chapters at the end of the four years than when I started? Um, is there engagement? Is the com- Has the conversation shifted with the state party and the, the national, or I'm sorry, the state central committee of, wow, the YRs, they're effective. They, they can win and they help candidates. Um, is that conversation still the conversation? Thankfully, right now, that is the conversation of, yes, they're young Republicans. I can, you know, you can call them and, and they'll be there um, and to help where we can. Um, I obviously want to have a chapter in every part of our state and we're one chapter away from doing that. Um, Got to get Kent Queen Anne's County. Oh, this is like where I'm left. Um, I, I had them, just saying. <laughs> okay, well, I have Howard, so. <laughs> um, but, which seems to be the, the token, or the one that everyone always covets. But, um, you know, and, and I think we're close there. I, and I think in the next six months, we will be there, and we will have a chapter in every part of our state, which I'm very proud of. And the national organization has recognized that as well. But ultimately, I want to look back and say, I built the party for the better, that people were engaged, people had fun, but we also were really effective. And so far we've been really effective and we've gotten candidates across the finish line. Roxy was the first, you know, we had, you know, we held on to Nicole Ackley's seat this year. Um, Daniel Hornberger this year as well. We helped out there, um, won that too. There's a couple we've lost and we recognize that we've lost a couple board of ed races that we wish we could take back. We could get back, but overall, People know who the young Republicans are. And if we can continue to make sure that people know that the young Republicans exist, then we're doing what we need to do because a party needs to have all facets. It needs to have its youth and it needs to have, you know, it's older folks on the other end because that's how we learn. And I'm a, I'm a very big proponent of, of learning from our history. And there is a place for everyone in our party, but striking that balance of people a trusting the other facet of the party and learning from each other and if we're able to have a very candid conversation where the wires can come in and talk about what they know and what they've learned um over their time and their professional careers um i think that can really ultimately help the party and it'll make the republican party here in maryland in a much better spot than it was four five years ago so if folks want to get more information we're going to reach out to you how can they do that Sure. Um, so obviously, um, you can go to our website, mdyrs.org, if you want to learn about the YRs. Um, you can reach out, sign up for our emails through there. Um, I'm also, I try to make myself very available. You can email me at maria, M-A-R-I-A, at mdyrs.org. Shoot me an email if you've got a comment or you want some, you have someone that you want to get involved in the party. And we try and find places for people to get involved. Um, I'm happy to help with that. Happy to have a conversation and, uh, to see how we can build our party in, in other ways and in, in unique facets. And yeah. Maria Sophia is the chairman of the Maryland young Republican party doing us all very proudly. It's always a pleasure. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good, Brian. Thanks. All right. Thanks. This has been the duck Pin podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and download.